Hello everyone and welcome to Flawless, a music podcast. My name is Grant and I'm here with my co-hosts, George. Hello music fans. Unconfirmed. And Liam. Hello, everybody. Why, why, is, why are music fans unconfirmed? Well, we maybe they just like George's voice. I've already forgotten what our new name was going to be. Team Music. No, rubbish. the other one. Team Music Rubbish team or something. Rubbish, something Rubbish, something. Anyway. Oh, Music Rubbish. Yeah, that's that, the previous that music, episode team, that we music, said we that, weren't Team going. That Music Rubbish. All right. Hello, everybody. Let's try that again. <laughs> Each episode of Flawless, a host or a guest nominates an album that they think is flawless, and we discuss how they discovered it. What they love about it and what it what makes it flawless for them, which again is hyper unique. We have a Facebook group. It's called Flawless Family and Friends, Friends and Family. It's where we discuss Every all time. things. <laughs> oh, stop it's it. written down. It doesn't matter. It's <laughs> it's in the show notes. People anyway. are being nasty. It is in the show notes, and I'm sure they do like me on some level. <laughs> this this forum, regardless, is where we discuss all things music that we love and that you love. And we post in there about upcoming episodes, which Liam has done, mm-hmm. uh, and what uh, and what albums are nominated. You can find the link in our show notes. Thank you, George. Of course, we have a Patreon. You can back us from as little a month, little as, as $1 a month. And we, we, there's apparently a suitor, unconfirmed, Ryan somebody or other, forget his name. Ryan Reynolds. Oh, sorry. There we go. And you can get early access should you join to our episodes. Access our bonus episodes and get that warm, fuzzy feeling that you are helping capitalism. Sorry, <laughs> you are helping uh, us spread the flawless love. You can fly, and find cap- us. And at, capitalism. Sure. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to eat. Yeah. Not, we're not in communist <laughs> Russia, are we? Sure. Liam didn't buy this equipment without capitalism. <laughs> Correct. Exactly. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash flawless amp now although i am talking and you love my voice so much i'm just the host tonight we have a guest and i love a guest please introduce yourself and tell us what album you have hello Uh, my name is sabrina laurie and uh, i'm a musician from brisbane australia and my album is soundgarden super unknown This. Nice. <laughs> I as soon as you nominated this, I was just like, Grant's gonna have a fucking field day. Are you a fan? That's why I have you the hosting. You know, and I know. And then Liam gave it. me the introduction sheet, and I'm like, Yeah, he did. Yes, yep. he did. Am Before we get into it, though, Sabrina, did you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Thank and you, what you're into? Yes. Surely, yes, I will. Um, so I've um, just come off the back of a, a couple of years hiatus. During that time, I did do a bit of a side project, um, uh, a collaboration with my my previous partner, Ben Kerswell, who um, sadly has passed. May he rest in peace. And um, that was an electronic side project called Baston Move. And um, 
since then, I'm now revisiting my second record, um, following my first solo album in 2017, Hush the Mountain, and I'll be bringing out the first single from the next record um, in early 2023. And where can Wonderful. we find you? You can find me on the internet. Um, the World Wide Web, is that what they say? That's correct. I believe that's so. I heard the kids call it that exact thing. <laughs> the kids. You know, we just don't even need to put www.url anymore. This is mm-hmm. the one with the children that they, they communicate via short message service. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it means? Very short. I just no, no, s- SMS is short message service. Uh, yeah. Huh? yeah. Seriously, is that what it's called? Yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. You see how much we educate I'm each already other. learning. I We're know. So, I'm going to learn a so lot. so supportive. I just text huh? people. And the www thing <laughs> depends on how they've set up the server. Sometimes you have to type it in, sometimes you don't. So good. Oh my I'm God. so much richer for this. <laughs> I thought we were in education mode and I thought I would follow thank through. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. That's yes. very good. <laughs> and so, Sabrina is so glad she is here right now. <laughs> for this I, education. Am, I am. I do like to learn. Lifelong learners. Cool. On their own, they're called autodidacts. But let's not go <laughs> for that one, right? No. Okay. Super Unknown is the fourth studio album from American rock band Soundgarden released on March 8, 1994 through A&M Records. Uh, it was the second album with the bassist Ben Shepard and new produ- and the first with new producer Michael Beinhorn. Mm-hmm. And it has Chris Cornell in it, which is very important for teenage girls. Yeah. <laughs> why? Could you, yes. could you elaborate? Articulate or, or, elaborate. Does, or does Sabrina want to elaborate? Oh, why don't well, I tell you why, host. why I intru- uh, uh, chose this Here album? Here we go, why? <laughs> Back in the 90s when I was playing guitar in a rock band, and I still am, but... Um, that, well, he was my one and single most biggest influence. Oh, yes. nice. Is that yeah, on what basis, Mal? He's a great rhythm well. guitarist. He's an incredible vocalist, but he's also fucking hot. Yeah, very hot. Very <laughs> hot. So, yeah. So he couldn't deny the hotness, but yeah, the <laughs> charisma. He couldn't deny the hotness. No, yeah. I wouldn't. But I mean, I wouldn't. No. I, I wouldn't I, <clears throat> who's going to argue? But no, no really. No arguments here. It was, it was, it was. Singing with so much force and grit and mm-hmm. commitment and just, uh, but he's also. I feel so like he should be rec- like videographed he's when you see this crazy riffs and weird timings. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he also does sultry as well. Very Don't sultry. forget that. Very, very he's dark, so very he can do wailing, he can do growling, he can do shouting. Is there anything he, he couldn't uh, do? I tell you what, though, yeah, his he range. didn't do me, Grant. <laughs> That's a problem, and that remains an issue. <laughs> but there's so, still time. Mm, no, no, no. There's not. He passed. Oh yeah. shit! He has. Yeah. He has. And let's let's you know. I actually can we, can we address that? I, I actually wrote a song that was inspired by him passing. Wow. And released it called No Piets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about the opiate the opiate epidemic. And wow. um, yeah, he he uh, well he took his own life. However, it was under the influence of um, whatever pharmaceutical situation he mm-hmm. found himself in at the time. Really? Yeah. Is yeah. that confirmed now? Mm. Yeah. I've, so yeah. How did you first discover Soundgarden? This album came out in ninety four. Was it this one? Were you onto them already? This was their fourth one? I was onto them already. Nice. Oh, yeah. very good. Yeah, because I started playing electric guitar when I was really young. And so I was surrounded by lots of people playing rock music and exposing me to that. And I I grew up in music venues. Both my parents ran pubs and music venues. And so I was just around a lot of music 
all the time. All the time. A lot of live music all a the lot, time. A lot of live music. Yeah. And then, you know, back then it was still CDs and... and it's a compact disc. The, for, the, for the kids. The, yes, for the that's kids. That's right. Yes. The um, uh, ancient compact disc. Yes. They were so shiny. They were. They were shiny They're and they were shiny. temperamental with the scratching, don't they? I know. Put but it face down, right? Do you know what you did when you scratch one? Is you string it, it all freezer. together and you make an ornament. Oh. And you would put it in the garden and it would stop the birds from eating the fruits of your trees. So you knew about this album. You, you, mm. Well, you were already in the sound yard and this album, I guess, got sound. announced and you were like, did you grab it, go out and grab it day one? You were like, uh, was it on the radio? How do you sort of... First, well, hear the album. So so first, it got first single was Spoon Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. A, what so, a song. Yeah. I, on Rage, actually. Yeah. No, the, stop yeah. it. So you get home, hammered. Yeah. And Spoon Man comes on. Yep. And there's literally like, spoons what? in the middle of the song. Yeah. What is going it's on? Amazing. Yeah. It is. Well, I would have thought so for sure. And I've never done that or at least arrived home and listened to Rage and seen Spoon no. Man. No. Oh. Not really? Spoonman specifically. Oh, well, not, not with Spoonman. But some right, right. and Rage is not like it used to be. I don't think. I mean, no, it's, it's not. I mean, that's where I first heard Powderfinger, saw Powderfinger, or actually other Soundgarden music as well. I mm-hmm. mean, do you guys remember that? Had the Rage. I, I'm no. from. Oh yeah, yeah. England, so uh, I didn't my rage. my wife is, MTV. used to be a big Rage. Get mm. home. Yeah. Watch Rage. Yeah, the sun comes and it really up, did sleep. expose yeah. you to the new music. Yeah, the well, there was another yeah. forum. Like, I believe yeah. there was another forum. Yeah, yeah. So Saturday mornings, mornings and stuff with yeah. Rage and Recovery and that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. what yeah. Rage and Recovery was I, that? What, sorry. I already well, had MTV when I was like when I was eight. Mm-hmm. I had MTV, so I was exposed to all the new music like all the time, and I couldn't get enough of it. There was like snowboarding TV shows, and I was watching those, and there was like music shows, and I was watching those, interview shows, and I was watching those. It was just like MTV twenty four hours as much as I could. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, Rage was kind of like that for us, and then yeah, Recovery. Yeah. Was so the... Recovery was a live music show on the ABC on Saturday mornings. Um, like the most lowest production values you could possibly imagine while still being allowed to air. Like wow. it was just, it was very, and like a passion project, not because yeah. they didn't care more like they cared, but they didn't have the resources and it didn't make money. So they didn't have a lot of money and they just did the best they could. But all the Australian bands got well into it. They wow. all come on and play. Incredible like, platform. You name it, Australian bands. So like they what, six o'clock, eight o'clock in the morning. Like they playing nine, live? Nine it, was later. it was a bit later. So nine till 11 or something like yeah. that. So yeah. it was a good, it was a great time. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of and people. So they'd come on, they'd do an interview. You know, go and go off to the thing, play it oh, off to the side, live. play live. They just had the like they had like just two bleakers full of kids, like you know, fifteen to eighteen year olds just cheering along doing stuff. So they had and, um yeah like one of the legendary moments is like they had a band there. I can't remember who the what the band was, but Green they came on as an interview, so they weren't supposed no, to play a song, nice. yeah. and they were like, we see the instruments, can we just play a song? And the band was like, yeah, you can just go ahead and play a song. So they just wandered over to this band's. Instruments picked them up and played really? a song just straight up. No one was them to do it. Just, yeah, spontaneous live energy. It was really good. That's really cool. Mm. And when did that stop? I didn't, it only lasted like, I think like three or four years or something. Years, it wasn't, yeah. yeah. Because, it didn't, because it, it didn't make any money and it would have cost yeah. them because it was live music sure. and there was lots of stuff coming through it. But it was yeah, yeah, cost yeah, definitely well, part of Australian music MTV history. MTV Unplugged made a lot yeah. of money. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, these guys didn't release. Yeah, they didn't release. It was sort of part of a Triple J Co sort of thing. Okay. So, yeah. awesome. it was really cool. So, anyway, so, so you heard about the album. Yeah. yeah, what's why this one? Why, why this one? Yeah, why, why this why album? Different? Yes. Yeah, I just, I, in my opinion, to me, the way it makes me feel is flawless. 
Also because um, The Grit and it's just one of the best rock albums I've ever heard. It just hits me in the face every time I listen to it. still nice. does today. Yeah. And um, that was very inspiring back in the, in the day. But it also um, goes into the energy of the darkness and the light, which okay. is really kind of important to me. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Cool. I yeah. do like to go the darkness yeah. <laughs> and the light. Yeah, there was hand movements. Yeah, there were. There were hand Um Question, forgive me, have you ever seen Soundgarden Live? I have seen Soundgarden Live. No, yeah. we didn't, we forgot, wow. Yeah. We didn't. I was trying to think what year and I couldn't figure it out mm-hmm. today. So Like on a big day out? Did they have a paper day out? Yeah, it was like a big festival. It was yeah. like a big day out or or something mm. like that. Uh, it wasn't like a market day. That no. You play market. I'm thinking it was a market, market day. What's market day? That's, that's, long, triple, long that's, tri- that's Triple Z's, yeah, where they have like lots of market stalls and a stage off to the side. Oh, the that's the first George's time I saw Scream Feeder. Yeah, very heavily okay. yeah, Brisbane okay. band based, but they did get a few internationals to come through a couple of times, but like they'd have to be so like internationals before you, you anyone big, knew who they were. Like really the second big. anyone knew who they were, they were too big for market day. Okay. Yeah. I've also seen them live. Cool. Twice. Nice. Do you know when? Yes. Um, approximately. <laughs> or where? Doesn't have to uh, be when. Both. Just the where. Um, Reading Festival or Glastonbury Festival. Approximately late nineties, early two thousands. That sounds correct. Um, mm-hmm. And pre-audio slave. I'm saying that. Yeah, pre-audio slave. And I'm saying that because they were. In wall of sound and so good to look at and put on such a good show um, that I was of an age where I might not have been imbibing the situation coherently as I should have. So, uh, yes. I remember I lost a shoe in that concert. Oh, yes, <laughs> No, I'm serious. Yeah. yeah. No, you're talking. And yeah. that's why people wear DMs, right? Yeah. Very yeah. hard to lose them in cherry eight-ups, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. So, uh, I did yeah. see lost him again, though. I, I had the, pl- the privilege of working. I used to be a merchandise rep. And he played a solo acoustic run of shows at QPAC here, and yeah, I got to witness that show and the sound check, and it was, it was a magical moment for me personally, mm. and many others that night that saw That's the fun. show. Yeah, yeah. cool. Beautiful. Yes. Nice. So random um, question, um, sort of certainly left field in terms of his passing. Have you heard any conspiracy theories about what happened or the reasons for it? Um, no, I haven't heard any conspiracy theories, but... In relation um, to Chester Beddingfield as well, specifically from Linkin Park. Mm. Oh, no? just, no, no. Okay, then we can... Well, he wasn't the, no, we the other thing was, that, you know, um, to follow that, you know, uh, what happened with Prince as well, you know, he, his passing was also in, in part due to the pharmaceutical drugs he was being... Um, prescribed for his pain for for all those years dancing in those shoes and he was having incredible pain and developed a dependency. I remember that was, you know, not that long afterwards. And, yeah, so the song I did write about that and because my own people, some people close to me that have also got um, injuries also, you know, had developed dependencies on opioids yeah. and I had actually broken my back 
in 2015 wow. and I got sent home with 14 different pills and all this sort of thing. And so I actually had to work really, really hard myself to overcome and I live with pain you know, all, the time. all the time and not <clears throat> become dependent on, on, on that. So it was something that was quite close to me personally. Mm. I have <laughs> a chronic pain disorder which means I need to take oxy and morphine and stuff like that um, to deal with it. Um, but I also have a genetic disorder called the MC1R gene, which means I'm ginger and blue-eyed. Um, and um, it means that I can't get addictions and I can't get withdrawals and that I have a higher pain threshold. Wow, I did not know that. That is fascinating. It's crazy. It means that I can literally take endone like three times a day for a week and then I can just like go, I don't need it today and I'll just stop. That is unbelievable. So there we go. That's wow. Fun fact for the audience. Well, it's interesting because Chris Cornell... I uh, know, as we'll just probably uncover in this episode with a lot of his lyrical content, he ta- he's he's always exploring life and death. Mm-hmm. And he's always exploring the dark elements of why we're alive. He was just fascinated, like, what, why? What's it mm-hmm. all about? So, very interesting. Yes. So, the album was recorded between July so and you September. Seen? No, I haven't. I've seen audio. I saw Audio Slave, and he was amazing as part of that. But that okay. was that was as far as I got. Could yeah. we just um, assume that everybody had heard? Yeah, we we moved past that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Swiftly, <laughs> yeah, long. So the album was recorded between <laughs> July and September '93 in Bad Animal Studio, Seattle. So it was the first one, from what I read. So the the other ones was more Chris and Kim doing a lot of the writing and the construction mm-hmm. stuff. And then they toured off Bad Motor Finger, which was the album before this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they all took a break. So they all went sort of, hey, let's have a break, not break up the band, but we're all, you know, we've been living in each other's pockets for two years as we toured. And they all went away and they all wrote some stuff separately and then brought it all together. So this was the first one where they, yeah, rather than just being mostly Chris and Kim, it was actually all of them writing their pieces and then mm-hmm. being a collaborative process in the studio to bring that all together, which I think is really cool. So there's Chris Cornell on vocals and rhythm guitar, Kim Thaney on the guitar, Ben Shepard on um, bass, drums and percussion, backing vocals, lead vocals uh, and guitar on half, Um, um, Matt Cameron on drums, percussion, um, what's it called, Mellotron, Mellotron, um, and also Pop Pans mm-hmm. um, oh, and additional musicians. On men. Yeah. Mm. yeah, there's lots of percussion and cool there's stuff. There's all going sorts on. of stuff going on, but um, additional musicians. There were quite a few, but the things they covered were viola, spoons, piano, cello, clavinet, and one person was there for harmonic guidance. <laughs> I did see that. Which I'm like harmonic, as in vocals or their harmonies. (laughs) I think as in harmonic guidance as in like frequencies and sounds. Yeah, definitely. That was on Limo that was on Limo Rec. He did that. That was he was credited just for that one song. Oh interesting. Mm Because I did read something or I heard an interview with um uh Michael Beinhorn, who recorded and produced a record, about Chris Cornell and his vocal techniques. Okay. Maybe go into that a bit. Well, yeah, yeah. so yeah. He was like, your forum, please. Yeah, yeah. Well, basically, um, because as you know, Chris Cornell's got such a huge range. Yes, and yeah. so his volume, like his sound pressure level, is immense. And certain microphones aren't really built f- 
you know, the, the, the kinds of microphones that they use to record great vocals, like the um, Neumann U87, which is what they used for a lot of his vocals. The capsule isn't really designed to handle that kind of sound pressure limit. but So he burnt through five of those microphones during wow. the sessions. And they're not cheap. Yeah. They're not yeah. cheap microphones. Yeah. Forgive me, how would you burn... Uh, my well, basically how the pressure of his voice... Stuffs the would, microphone up. Well, well, it, it, it like damages receiving. the, the yeah. capsule, that's the diaphragm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just by the It just makes pressure. me love him more. Mm, I know. <laughs> I, I just thought that was... I, I, I kind of didn't believe it at first and then... Yeah, he talked about the the um the studio so he's manager. Microphones. They had to pay for That's all of amazing. those mi- microphones. Yeah. That's yeah. the most hardcore rock thing to do. Is like I burned through five mics because my in a session because yeah. my vocals are so yeah. strong. Yeah. But he just has got the most hardcore rock voice ever. Yeah. Well, that's like, why. Have you heard his cover? Sorry, of Billie Jean. I oh, yeah, it's I like have. I did a couple of the most too. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> right? Oh, it's so good. So nice. Amazing. I heard him play that live at, at, that, at, the, at the acoustic nice. shows. Yeah. Sweet. That's a, so oh, magic. The band clashed with Beinhorn constantly throughout the recording because Beinhorn's way of producing was methodical, like disciplined, methodical, repetitive. Like take this method. part. Here's the yeah, method. Take this, this is part. the process. We're going to do this part. You're going to do it 30 times. doesn't matter if we get it right the first one. You know, we'll do it, we'll do it, we'll do it. And then that way we've got it and we just do it. Can it. Whereas they were just like, yeah, we're just going to go in there and hang out and we do stuff. And we, you know, it was a real bit more like not, not casual, but just they just sort of did stuff as it came up. Whereas he was like, no, it's much more structured. So yeah, they, had, they didn't get along. And, and at times it even felt like the album wasn't going to come together. They were just like, this isn't working. Yeah, well, he was talking about that in the interview that I that I um, looked at the other day, and he was talking about doing the songs in four song blocks, mm-hmm. and particularly okay. vocally. Yeah, and that Chris Cornell, up until that point, was used to producing and recording a lot of his own music, mm, and so just, he was more at home. Yeah, you know, pressing record having his own relationship with the microphone with nobody around. Mm -hmm. And so he noted that uh, he thought that Chris seemed a bit uncomfortable trying to get the vocal takes that that would really bring the songs alive with all the people around. So he set him up actually with one of the microphones and they, instead of wearing headphones, they got two Yamaha NS10 speakers and set them up just behind the microphone um, where the microphone doesn't pick up pick audio. Up the, yeah. Yeah. And um, they tested whether it would spill into yes. the microphone capsule. Um, and the headphones spilt more than that did. And so he just set him up, taught him how to use the tape and just let him go and said, when you feel like you've got the takes, come down and see us in the lounge. Mm. And and from that wow. point, he said Chris Cornell was really excited and really happy. He was like, I'm nice. getting it, I'm getting it. That's yeah. awesome. That's what happened. Cool yeah. That's how you work with someone who's got genius ability but like can't work with technology in a particular way and you just find ways to work with them. Yeah, find mm-hmm. a solution. That's yeah. gonna get you the best result because you yeah. can't you can't farm that energy in a particular way. It exactly. doesn't work. No, that's right. And I always say that the song is God. Whatever's gonna achieve the the song, the getting outcome. the yeah. outcome mm-hmm. to the best ability, and do that. This album went to number one in Australia, Canada, and the US, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. number four in the UK. And New Zealand, yep. And New Zealand. Um, and then in Australia, it's gone three times platinum. In Canada, it's got five times platinum. In UK, it's gone one time platinum. In US, 
six times platinum, mm. which is much harder to do than any of the others. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's like marked down. Rolling Stone had it as number three albums of 94 and stuff like that. So it's been highly regarded as mm. an album. 194 which... MTV Best Metal Hard Rock Video for Black Hole Sun. Yes, we'll definitely get to Black Hole Sun. We'll get that. Video. Yeah, we'll get yeah. that. <laughs> Definitely talk about that. Um, and it was also mixed by Brendan O'Brien, who went on to do a lot of production stuff in that in the nineties. Go on, Grant. You, your face is all excited. <laughs> Pearl Jam. It was recommended to by Pearl Jam lead guitarist Stone Gossard. So well done, Stone, for bringing in Brendan there. And yeah. imagine being called Stone and not being in a rock band. Yes. <laughs> it was destined. But you know, it, they from what I saw, the guys said that their experience working with Brendan mm. was. Superb. Okay. Quick. Loved it. Easy. Yeah. I guess I don't know. I don't know what the processes are with mixing and mixing. versus production and stuff. So it can be. It can get. It can, it can yeah, get a little heavy. Yeah. 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 We did our own in one of our bands because it was just like so painful to try and get somebody else to understand our sound, and and if you have a vision. Um, and your vision is off kilter, it's really hard to get somebody on board mm -hmm. if they're mainstream. But yeah, they've done a good job. Cool. So yes. let's pick a song. Let's start with some songs. Sabrina, let's start us off with a song. What's one of your favourites off the album? Mm. Uh, Fell on Black Day. Hey. Nice. What a riff. Yeah. One of my favourites. Mm -hmm. So that's a soft opening, isn't it? Yeah, so that one comes after. So you've got Let Me Drown in My Wave as a big punky opening one and two. And then, yeah, Fell on Black Days is like the perfect third song. Like I'm just going to ease it in, calm it down a little bit. Um, very similar. You mentioned Powderfinger earlier. I think this one's got, I think, well, I think Powderfinger got this afterwards, but there's a couple of songs on Double Logic that sound very similar to, to Fell on Black Days, which is really cool. This is very much the depression song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is yeah. the, just even talking about Black Days and the repetitiveness of the lyrics. Mm -hmm. Then yeah. he has his moments of, like, ooze and stuff like that, filling the time. Um, but it's like a real soft grungy. With, but then it has a big solo Yeah, Kim Dale still gets his big rock, rock solo. Yeah. So we talked in the Pearl Jam album about, I think it must have been Stone, who obviously grew up in the 80s listening to that cock rock. So grunge was supposed to be that reaction to hair metal, like, mm -hmm. oh, we're yeah, sick of big correct. things and productions and it's just greasy guys up on stage, flannelettes, doing whatever. But all the bands who come from that time obviously cut their teeth on that music, so they still love the big rock solos. And I think Kim Thales a bit like that. Like, he loves a big, yes. glamorous rock solo, oh, yeah, no, even if he can wedge it into, like, what's really a dirty down and grungy song as well. Like, that's really cool. He's letting the riffs rip. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. it was released as a single yeah. just in the UK. Yeah, so it was released as the fifth single, January 1995. And if you want to know how obsessed the Triple J audience was with Soundgarden in 1994, that song made the Hottest 100 at number 53. Oh. So even though it wasn't even released mm -hmm. as a single. Yeah. So, yeah. So the yeah. Spoon Man came in at 51. Um, Black Hole Sun came in at number 22, My Wave at 46, and Fell on Black Days at 53. So it's only two spots behind Spoon Man. Which, wow. like, when you think about the kind of stuff that makes Hottest 100 even back then, like it's the big hooky singles and stuff, which this definitely is not. No. But everyone, I think, was still so into Soundgarden that year that it was like, Soundgarden song. 
Well, yeah. oh, it's just got that trancyness to it. Yeah. Like the riff keeps just rolling around mm-hmm. so effortlessly. I yeah. Love, I love that. It's an effortless riff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very good description yeah. of it for sure. Mm. Wow. Good. And yeah. one of my favourite lyrics. Right, you're flailing your arms around. Right then, can I see lyric? What is that? Oh, hands. Oh, I don't need to write them. I don't need to write them down. All oh, right, like, okay, you're that into it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah yes, very cool. You. Yeah, perfect third song, just to sort of still in that vein, but take the foot off the pedal a little bit. Mm-hmm. Really cool. And then Mailman is a headbanger. Hmm. So, so that was written by Matt Cameron, who is the, the drummer for drummer. Pearl Jam now. Yeah. Oh, is he? <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, okay. Right. There we go. Um, but but uh, yeah. I, mean, I don't know this stuff. But this it, is one of those ones where, yeah, I've, everyone had gone away and came back together and some of them had actually written songs and they were like, here's a song. Yeah. But it was, Mailman really reminisced to me something that Tool would have written. It had that kind of vibe and it was really sultry and not particularly cheerful. So it had that kind of like, yeah. Like mm-hmm. a tool sound, um, even like a though dirty throb on it. yeah. Whereas the Nemo didn't come out until for another two years, but um, yeah, it just had that head banging slow rock. I could imagine people in the club with their arms clasped to their bodies, slowly banging their heads and stuff, and just enjoying themselves in and their misery. And he, he <laughs> yeah. plays the Mellotron on it. That's why the Mellotron comes. Yeah. Misery. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. So we should talk about the two yeah. big ones while we so we give them enough time and due it. respect. So Black Hole Sun. Yes. Track number seven. The thing that always gets me about this song is how and I'd heard this album and passed this album before. Yes. Nothing else on this album sounds like this one. Like this was a huge single and obviously MTV picked up the video yeah. and that turned it into a whole thing. But there's nothing else on this album that sounds like, and I don't know the other albums that well, but there's nothing really that I know of from the other albums that sound like this as well. It's such a departure, but it's so cool. Well, apparently the band were surprised with its success as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so Because Cornell... it's their third single, not their mm. first. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, that's right. You would think that... It was huge. It was massive, yeah. There was and... an MTV all the time, and the music video is so good. Mm-hmm. There's all this, like... Classic Americana people with their what mouths widening and their eyes widening. It's like the whole sky is caving in and yeah. stuff. And the band are just fucking playing in the throat. Yeah, it's like it's rock apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think it's because of the name? And, and I mean, it's it's conceptually like a black hole sun. How do you get that in and of itself? You go, what does that even That's not mean? Real. Yeah, mm. like, yeah, like what does that mean as part of the attraction to it in and of yeah. itself? But well, also... This Very easy to sing along to. Like, sure. Like the chorus, everyone knows the chorus. Sun. Won't you come? And wash away the rain, rain. etc. So yeah. it was directed by British video director Howard Greenlay and produced by Megan Holster for Why Not Films, uh, shot by Ivan Bartos. And Thale said it was the one of the few times they made a video they were actually happy with. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, this, like, w- the first time I literally remember being sat on the living room floor watching MTV on like a Saturday morning. And this song came on, mm. and the music video came on, and I was 11 years old, 
And I was like, what is this? And it blew me away. And that was the first time I'd heard of Soundgarden. Well, um, I can't remember specifically. There were, there were lots of clips of Chris himself that you. Like I, lo- that <laughs> I might have dated oh, a lot of boys oh, that looked like him after that. <laughs> the correlations of causation. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, I don't know. Well, they, he was, look, he looked epic. He had his legs akimbo, mm. his guitar, like, like, and he was just playing, like, epically and singing Black Hole Sun in this music video. And the song was so good. And the video was so good, mm. and I was like eleven, and com- and I was like well into puberty, and <laughs> just watched this thing and went, oh my god, I mm. will never stop loving this. Yes, should I be feeling these feelings? Yeah. Like, what are whoa, these whoa, whoa, feelings? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. how old are your kids, Grant? <laughs> <laughs> so fading out. Well, actually, something else about that song. Um, Michael Beinhorn said that he he wanted to help stretch Chris vocally. Mm-hmm. Did you did you find out how he, no, he, no. he got him to listen to Frank Sinatra songs okay. and listen to how Frank Sinatra was essentially, he would say, a pop singer as well, but how he would express his range mm-hmm. and, and draw things out a little more. And um, he, he tried to get Chris to listen to Frank Sinatra and really focus on that. In his mind, to before he sang the lyrics for this yeah. one. That's nice. awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So the funny. So <laughs> no uh, wonder it's sultry. Oh, yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> so I talked about the perfect third song before. This is also the third single, and it's the perfect third single because you've got Spoonman first and the day I tried to live, which are two like really punchy rock songs. Everyone knows them. They're big. They're hooky. They remember them. Your third single's the one where you go. We sound. We can sound. We can be a little bit more variety as well. We can do something a little different. Except, of course, it blew up so much that it ended up actually eclipsing the first, first two. two. And I think if you yeah. asked most people, they'd be like, oh, yeah, Black Hole Sun was the first single off For sure. the album. They, that's the song that they all remember. It so it's like perfectly timed, but then it blew up so much that people think of it more as the big single. And it has lyrics that I loved singing when I was a kid. Stood around, cold and damn, still the And I used to just love, just like, stood around. I'm like, yeah, Chris. I'm like, I'm with you. Um, but yeah, like, that was a massive favourite. Mm. Um, because they like they do a ramp up with that chorus as well. Mm. So yeah. he does like a small version of the chorus. Mm. Then the second time, an extended version of the chorus. And then it's like third time, full belter version of that chorus and which is where um, it's like really impactful. Um, so it's like a like a really smart move of like yeah dynamic um, yeah really dynamic and but he's almost um, when he starts his vocals on that one he's almost nasally like he's got this kind of like nasally sound to his vocals and then goes into the big belter so mm-hmm. um yeah that's been one of my favorite songs of all time since i was 11 um and yes. <laughs> i've made my partner 
watch the music video um, and go listen to this song, watch this video. It's so incredible. But he is not an 11-year-old music fan. Um, <laughs> he is a 56-year-old grown-up man who doesn't like rock music. So um, <laughs> well, he no, that. He doesn't really like music at all. I mean, no. yeah, <laughs> not, not just rock not, music. Not just rock no, music. He's no, a, he just true. likes other music too. Let's so, yeah, but Equally, he, full credit. He, yeah. Did he, he like didn't, he did not like he it, like it. <laughs> and he looked at me like, oh, no. and he literally said, so that's one of your favourite songs of all time? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, and videos, yeah. and um, yeah, he totally didn't get it. Yeah. We're getting married, I've got no idea why. <laughs> This is a time to reflect on your decision. Yeah. <laughs> We've had 10 years for that. And then on the album, it's back to back with the first single. Spoonman. Spoonman, which, yeah. The name is inspired by artist The Spoonman, a street performer from Santa Cruz, California, and who was in Seattle, Washington, who plays music with a set of spoons and then was on the track as well. They got him to come in and do the spoons on the track as well, which is really Thank cool. you, because Loved I it. always thought it was about heroin. Oh, oh yeah, no, no. Yeah, actually, oh, I, I mean, it might be in that it. way that like all their songs are probably about heroin in one way or another. Could be. But yeah. like, just Spoon Man yeah. is an actual Spoon Man. Actually, yeah. man. Yes. Played the I spoons. think that I saw something. I was like having another little look before I came today, a little refresher. Something about the movie Singles, mm -hmm. and one of the guys from Pearl Jam was in it. Yeah, right? well, both yeah. Eddie, so, Eddie and Jeff so, so, and then Chris was working on it as a song for the soundtrack. And Cameron Crowe, all those Seattle guys. Yeah, and then he was like, actually. Yeah, so I've got the soundtrack, by the way. Oh, nice! Oh, it's so good. So yeah, rather than just leave the song on the soundtrack, Soundgarden began working on an electric version of Spoon Man. So I don't know whether it's an acoustic version on the soundtrack or that's how he'd originally thought. But what I saw was that it was a it was written about singles. No, the not Eddie Vedder, the other Pearl Jam member. What's his name? Jeff Ament. Yeah, Jeff Ament. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So dedication to him. Yeah. Oh, wow. What I saw. Yeah. Because. For me, I started going to rock clubs when I was 13. Illegal, I know, but I did it. And um, Spearman was played in rock clubs. And it was played regularly. Um, and it has that epic intro. Um, and the vocals come in to a really funky chorus. The drums are wild. The guitar lines are wild. Then everything drops back for some wailing vocals and then wailing guitars mm -hmm. and then drum solo and wait hold on bass solo like let's just put all <laughs> of it in a fucking track and release it as our first single done and you say yeah. like you talk about being in rock clubs that's the it's the song is so weirdly structured the tempo just changes all the time. Like you can't get a consistent beat to dance to it or to rock to it or whatever because it's... Like it's just so... Do you know what's so good about that though? You can just do whatever. No, yes. it meant that <laughs> you could tell if people knew the song or not. Yeah. Right. So if you moved in the right way <laughs> at the right time, you knew the song. You were and a fan. Yeah, yeah you were a fan. And, you, yeah. and if... 
if you moved out and you carried on that same beat, people would look at you and judge you and be like, you're just dancing. You don't even know. Yeah, I don't know why we're judging people all of a sudden, but all right. Um, (laughs) So I can also say it's very hard. This is one of the hardest songs to play in rock band, the game that where you play stuff because you can't like the screen is the like you're trying to play it in your head. You're like, oh, the beat is this. Then the screen stuff changes and you're almost playing off beat and it's just yeah, it's very cool fun, but it's. It's like you can tell it's a big single because it's nice and it's hooky and it's cool and it's oh man, everyone can sing along to it. But also the tempo and the melody are just so weird and, and disjointed that it's just so about Chris Cornell. Yeah. Like in the early days, he was the drummer. He mm-hmm. he started writing as the drummer nice. and he didn't realise it's just his natural thing to do. Yeah. It's oh, really wow. weird timings. Right. And like Kim Thayer would say, even a lot of the songs on this album have got really weird odd timings, like uh Eight sixteen, just weird stuff. That's mm-hmm. like, what the hell is that? And they mm-hmm. wouldn't realize until after they'd written the song, they go back and try and figure it out. Yeah, and it's just Chris Cornell's natural inclination mm. to just write weird timing. Yeah, and it's got so cool, really cool lyrics. Um, on. Yeah, lyric buddies on that one. Yeah, yeah I like that's that one. cool. Absolutely. Just I like that. Do, 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 yeah. Do. Um, yeah, so that's cool. Um, Sabrina, and any other favourites of yours call you want to yeah. you want to talk about? We're burning um, through the clock here. Yeah, we've we've only touched on a few of them. They've got love, a long album too. I love Kickstand. I okay. love Fourth of July. I Kickstand, love like Suicide. Kickstand, yeah, that's like a lot of punk songs. One thirty-four. There you go. So uh, uh, yep. uh, 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 I just it just hits so hard. I just love that. Sometimes <laughs> it just needs something that's really like so that was written by Kim Dale. Yep. It's an onslaught. It's an onslaught, mm-hmm. and I just love that. Just it's just at, for that moment, just to be like, just go hard. Yeah. Um, it's all ha- about his mother talks about his mother telling him things, and I just had a note. He's like, "What is it about grunge and mothers?" Something Kurt Cobain wrote a lot about mother and that sort of stuff as well. And I was just like, yeah, there's just something about guys in this. I don't think there's probably it's probably a dad thing too, but it's just yeah, there's something about these guys and what their mums used to tell them to do and stuff. It was cool. Interesting. I did not know. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about the day I tried to live mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it's really good. I yes. love that song. <laughs> it's the second yeah. single. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so dual guitars doing slidey intro, sultry vocals, really great rhythm, big whales, an epic sing-along chorus, and again, played in rock clubs. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, there are lyrics in there. So the whole thing's about waking up one day and being like, all right, here's, I'm the, I'm the guy. I'm going to take it all on. I'm going to do everything the world expects me to do. Here I go. I'm going to achieve all my goals. And then in the end, you become just like everybody else. And you wonder, was the whole thing even worth it? Would you have been better off just not trying and staying in bed? Well, mm-hmm. I was like, well that's, a, that's a little dark. Yeah. It is a little dark. Despite what, um, even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. Mm. 
Yeah. Like, whoa. Yeah. Hang on. <laughs> mm, yes. Ouch. Like, <coughs> I didn't say it, but it's... I've just quoted it here. Yeah. yeah. I think <laughs> it would be awesome live. I'd love to have seen this one live. Like just big hooks leading up to like big explosions yeah. of sound and, and noises. My favorite one on the album. It's really cool. Awesome. Any other ones you would call out, Sabrina? Uh, look, to be honest, I love most of the songs on this record, mm-hmm. and they all like well, as, soon as, so. it, as soon as <laughs> it comes on, any song is just, just like, like I'm, in I'm, yeah. in that space, just yeah. like whoo, just hits you. Um, not necessarily want to call out any songs, but I do want to say that with the sound of it, mm-hmm. um, the producer he talked about wanting to do something a bit different for a rock album at that time. Yes. And he would he would he was talking about the strong sounds that were coming out in dance music in Berlin and things like that. Yeah. So he wanted you to feel the snare crack and like as if your head's inside the snare or, you know, the guitars as if you're like they're, they're, they're in your chest. Mm. And I think he really succeeded in doing that with this record. Yeah. I feel and like we could do an entire episode <clears throat> about this album and its position and grunge in 94 yeah, and what happened yeah. before it and what happened after yeah. like we could be here all day <laughs> no, I, I, was, I was reading like just doing research i was just reading like essay after essay of like this is what was happening this is where they got the sound and then even stuff like you know this really ultra wanky stuff like oh, chris cornell was trying to break the mold of this and incorporate new wave style into a free form and it's just like oh my god just slow down i feel man. i feel like sometimes maybe chris just showed up and was like here's what i'm good at and i like doing this and it and sounds good like, it feels hey, good yeah it wasn't like oh I'm trying to disrupt the scene from 92 and set the side for 90. Yeah, it's no, just like, no. it's too hard. It gets the post analysis. Yeah. Like it's so not, easy post. Yeah. <laughs> you can yeah. backfill anything, right? Hard, you know, 2020 vision in the hindsight. No, yeah. Guys. But like they just went in and they created these songs yeah. from somewhere deep within them. And fourth album in, you know, like these guys knew each other as well. So yeah. yeah. So they, they formed in 1984. So Chris Cornell. Yeah thinks of this as like a later period Soundgarden album because they'd already been together for nearly 10 years at this stage and was also when they were almost, yeah, that he was like, we're trying to find a new style from our first three albums and that's where they sort of landed with this. Just to put it out there, but I was formed in 85. So <laughs> I'm younger Soundgarden than Soundgarden. Older than you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> cool. just, just to say, like... There like, you go. But still, like, I like an older man, so, like, bless his heart, Chris mm. is on the list. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Opportunities lost. Just very, just very quickly as we're running out of time, I love Super Unknown, the title track. Lots of, like, quick mm. blasts of guitar flicks all the way through. And the lyrics. Uh, Yeah, I think that that's kind of the counter to a lot of the darkness on the other side. It's mm. like it, 
just because if, if you're supposed to, if you feel like you're supposed to feel one way and you don't that doesn't mean you're automatically <laughs> on the opposite end you just it's just not working That's and yet right. on the same the lyrics that i wrote down which is the, the contrast the, that right first it steals your mind then it steals your soul nice nice yeah <laughs> mm. um, it's uh, yeah. also every like in super unknown i wrote down in five minutes every instrument is out 110 percent mm-hmm. mm. they are all fucking there yeah. they're all for the they're all playing games and they're all doing it so. and his voice too which you often talk about as an instrument like he does mm. he hits the high pitch on this one a lot this is a he's really goes super intense on this one it's really cool and then a big Fuck off solo to end it, I wrote down. <laughs> Kim Thale doing his thing. Yeah, which is good. Any other final notes we want to hit or are we going to jump to the yeah, final I'll pitch? George, from your side? I, mean, I feel like we've only covered like a... We've barely like scratched the surface of this album. <laughs> yeah, we could be yeah. here all night, but we won't be. So any other final thoughts? No, I think we should crack on. Crack on. Cool. Uh, Sabrina, if, unless you've got any other final thoughts, you can give us your absolute actual final thoughts okay. on the final News. pitch. Yeah, okay, sure. So... Uh, this album is, in my opinion, the perfect union of yin and yang. Um, oh. Made me realise as a teen, even though I felt grim and dire about the state of the world and certain things in my life and felt at times so dark and unsure why we're doing this, he was doing it, singing about it and still kicking ass and so it made me want to kick ass instead of top myself. Uh, so okay, I've got so a few words. Thank you, thank you, yeah. the band, Chris yeah. Cornell, <laughs> yeah. and Soundgarden. Thank you. Uh, dark, mysterious, gritty, confident, feeling for the edges, embracing shadow, body, and strength. Cool. That's how it made me feel. Nice. Yeah. Touch nice. notes again as well. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, thanks so much for bringing the album, Sabrina. It's been an awesome uh, evening, and appreciate it. Let's go over to. To Liam, yep. on my right. Uh, final thoughts and a thumbs up or a thumbs down for Super Unknown, fourth album of Soundgarden. Yeah. So I'd, um, I'd heard of this album, but I had never heard it all the way through. I knew all the singles, etc. Um, I knew the, I know I've got the album after this and it's the name of it is leaving my head at the moment, but I, yeah. Down on uh, the Upside? Down on the Upside, yes, that's the one. Thank you. And I've heard Bad Motorfinger as well, so... Got a fair bit of a good feeling. Like I said, I'd love to have a chat one day about just where this album positions and how it works with grunge because it's grungy, but it's also really carefully constructed. And like I said, there's still some elements of like your hair rock, like your big epic constructions of stuff. Um, lots of really awesome songs, even a couple that we didn't get to talk about. We didn't get to talk about like Suicide, which is the last song on the album. Um, but mm. there was a few songs on there that I felt like it probably could have done without. It is 15 songs. And um, so we talked about Malman, which I didn't love. Limo Wreck, which we didn't talk about, which I didn't love. Um, Fresh Tendrils, and then Half, which mm-hmm. was written by the bassist. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got like this little blur of almost sitarist guitar. It feels like half a song, and even Ben Shepard had said later why it's probably his least favorite song, sound wise and playing wise. So when even the guy who wrote it is like, yeah, okay, we could have done something with it for a B side or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. I absolutely loved it, and I think if you could if you cut a few songs down and make it like a ten track. 100% it would have been flawless, but just with that extra length and stuff that some of those extra songs weren't doing a lot for me, I wouldn't call it flawless. Cool. Thank you. But I really loved it and it was really cool to listen to an album. It's a, blast, guys, it's a blast in the past, An right? iconic album yeah. that I've yeah. now listened to and I've experienced and from that area where I, I do have a bit of a knowledge of that at stuff. So it was yeah. really good to tick that box in my list. Sure. I was very happy when... <laughs> yeah. uh, George? 
Hello. Thoughts on Super Unknown? Super Unknown. So um, when Sabrina first nominated this album, I went straight to Black Hole Sun and <laughs> I listened to that on repeat for about 15 times um, and drove my partner mad um, because I was like, oh my God, it's Sangram, this is so exciting. Um, and then I got through the album and um, I, I did own it back in the day on Compact Disc. Um, and I remember even then thinking that an hour, ten minutes mm. for a rock grunge album mm. was too long. And so I put my head to it. And for me, I removed Head Down, Limo Wreck, Fresh Tendrils and Half. And then, I think that's almost exactly so, what I removed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I also halved the length of like suicide. Oh. Okay. Um, because it was really repetitive as an epilogue, um, trippy but cool. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I halved the end of that. So I managed to remove about twenty-one minutes of the album and then I felt better about it. <laughs> yeah. So it's not a flawless album from my perspective, but it's a fucking good album. Mm. Um and it's got some absolute corkers on there. So um I like going back to some of those tracks has made me so happy um, and I'm reliving the days where I wore baggy jeans and dog <laughs> collars and dyed my hair pink. So you're no yes. longer doing that? <laughs> Is not, that what you're saying? I'm not doing it in front of you. But, uh, yeah, so it was just a really exciting experience. So um, thank you for suggesting the record. Um, I, I just think they, their producer should rein them in a bit. Yeah, sounds better. And made a shorter album. But I'm going to pass it over to our grunge rock, cock rock idol, Grant. Australia 180, man. I'm going to ask you. Like, boringly so, right? Where do you stand on Super Unknown? (laughs) Where do I stand? I think at 70 minutes, you're always going to struggle in this forum for mine. Um, And um, I don't want to be re-quoted, but (laughs) and, and, not but. Um, the challenge I had, so I, I, I listened to it, I had listened to it at the time, for sure, like heaps, and My Wave, of course, is a wannabe yeah. surfer. That's on Endless Summer, that's on Riding Giants 2004, I'm sure it's on another um, Aussie-made surf clip yeah, from somewhere, like, absolutely, I couldn't find it, I tried to find it on there, I couldn't find it. There are such great, great tracks on here, and then I thought, but they're, there's, there's too much in parts. And then I went and looked, which is something that Liam does. He really like, he looks deep in there. He doesn't like to and, actually do research in and, and Head Down is Ben Shepherd. And, yeah. and Half is Ben Shepherd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and right. Kickstand, which you like, is Kim Thale. All the others are Chris mm. and or someone else. And I was like, those are the ones I don't really like. Yeah. Right. What, about, if, what about half? Mm. What, what half, um, half a shepherd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But did yeah. you like that one or not? No, no, I didn't. You're right. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. anytime one of the other guys oh, writes yeah. a song, anytime like, yeah. one of the other yeah. oaks yeah. writes a song, yeah. and I'm actually, like, I, no! I wrote in my notes how I'm sorry, Ben Shepherd, 
Because yes, you yes. can't sing on an album with Chris Cornell on it. Yeah. Well, all right. I'm, I'm just literally head yeah, down, kickstand, yeah. half. It's all their are songs. Not, are yeah. their songs. Yeah, yeah. we were in the and, same song. And I'm like, That's hilarious. no, no. <laughs> I, I like you, Liam, so much, man. But, you, 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 so but we've I, literally written the same songs, yeah. all yeah. of it's, us. It's good to see you're united, though. Well, no, no, I don't like it. You don't like it? If we all think the same thing, we could just... Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, for sure. So I, I, I really, from, from recalling the memories and, um, and yeah, Chris Cornell is an, was an amazing artist and all the rest mm. of it. It's just been great. And obviously Matt Cameron still is now playing for Pearl Jam, etc. So the memories are great. But I won't because it was a bit long and the songs that didn't involve Chris, I can't give it. But thanks so much for bringing that album, oh, Sabrina. Thank yeah, you for having me, Sabrina. What a pleasure. So, yes. Yeah. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Another awesome session. We have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are Flawless AMP on all of those. So you can join the conversation, share or like our posts, or give us a rating. Every little bit helps us find more music lovers like you. As mentioned, we also have that Patreon that's filling up fast. It's patreon.com forward slash Flawless AMP. If you'd like to back us, please check that out. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Ciao.